What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Indictments have come down for members of Uhuru following an FBI raid of several of the members' homes. We are joined this morning by Akile Anai, the Director of Media and Communications for the Uhuru Movement, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of the Burning Spear newspaper. Good morning, Akile. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I, I do want to start, we're going to get to the indictments fairly quickly, but I do want to start with um, you giving us a background there for folks listening about the Uhuru movement, how long you all have been in existence and the type of work that you do across the country. Yes, uh, the Uhuru movement um, is an organization um, It's led by the African People's Socialist Party, which was founded by Chairman Amalia Shetela in 1972. Uh, following the defeat of the Black Revolution of the 1960s, uh, which was uh, really concentrated here um, in uh, the U.S. and was, you know, defeated militarily uh, by the United States government in the form of counterinsurgency COINTELPRO. Um, and this, you know, organization um, has been around for um, uh, 50 years, going on 51 years, um, and fighting, you know, for the, the total freedom and liberation of Black people, fighting for self-determination, and, um, you know, has appeared on various fronts struggling for the basic democratic rights of black people. And, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, for the struggle for black people to be able to feed, clothe and house themselves and to have political and economic power in our own hands. That's what the Uhuru movement has always been about. Okay, I, I had Chairman O'Malley uh, on the show when the FBI raids first happened. But walk us through the raids that took place at several of y'all's homes, and specifically what your experience was. Yes, on July 29th of last year, um, the FBI conducted a pre-dawn simultaneous raids in both St. Louis, Missouri, where our um, movement is headquartered, and in St. Petersburg, Florida, which we have, um, you know, been organizing uh, there in that city, and the chairman was born. It's a stomping grounds in St. Petersburg, Florida, and our, where our offices, we also have offices located. And um, in this pre-dawn raid in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, they showed up to the chairman's home, um, to our uh, Solidarity Center, our Who Solidarity Center in south side of St. Louis, and um, to several of the homes um, of members of our movement with flashbang grenades uh, blowing out the windows. Um, of, of the home and, uh, you know, full, fully uh, armed and, uh, you know, with tactical gear, uh, armored vehicles, assault rifles, um, you know, barging in drones, uh, barging into the, the chairman's home and to these other um, homes and institutions, um, you, know, uh, you know, telling uh, these members that they have to uh, come out of their house at gunpoint and, um, you know, and hand over their uh, laptop devices, their cell phones while they raided, you know, um, while they raided the homes of, of both the chairman, our deputy chair, other movement leaders. And in St. Petersburg, Florida, the same thing is happening. Um, it's 5 a.m. Uh, Central Time and 6 a.m. Uh, where I'm located when this is happening. I was um, uh, called out of my home by the local police department who had told me my, my car had been broken into. And uh, they told me to check to make sure nothing was missing. So I uh, proceeded to my car. And at this point, I was surrounded by 
FBI agents, and they wow. did not issue, uh, yeah, at first a search warrant or anything. Um, it was totally off, you know, just caught by surprise, and um, they uh, didn't, you know, hadn't told us what was going on. They just immediately instructed us uh, to, they hit at, at in, in St. Louis, they handcuffed uh, the chairman and told them to sit on the curb. And, um, but like I said, they had me uh, surrounded and, you know, told me to give them my laptop, my phone, um, and they started raiding my car. So uh, that's, that's what happened uh, to me um, in St. Petersburg, Florida, the day of the raid. I'm so sorry. Uh, what are the charges? Uh, what are the indictments? What are they saying? Uh, and, and what are the possible consequences? Uh, should you all be found guilty? So uh, the the indictment, they issued an indictment for a man um, in Russia. So somebody who's not even here, but they had issued an indictment in Russia. And up to now, they've characterized uh, the chairman, myself, and two other members of our movement and the Solidarity um, uh, Committee, Penny Hess and Jesse Neville, uh, as being unindicted co-conspirators and um, with the, the FARA law, which is a failure to register as a foreign agent. Um, and they have accused us of working, being funded by and under the instruction of the Russian government. This is what it is that they're saying about a black organization that's been in existence for um, going on 51 years now, that uh, we have um, been under the instruction and been paid by the U.S. government to, um, you know, as, as part of a, a, a malign influence campaign um and uh, an attempt to um defraud the u.s government this is what we're being accused of and those charges um uh can accompany with them uh, a maximum of five years and of course that doesn't include multiple charges of the same um you know multiple counts of the same charge so um you know and 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 what we have to understand is that this is not uh, a legal attack, but so this is a purely political assault being made on our movement. And so the case uh, surrounding it is being totally fabricated uh, in terms of, um, you know, what it is that they're building as part of the quote unquote evidence against us to, to show uh, us as being some kind of pawns of the Russian government. But, um, and, you know, we can talk about some of the things that they cited, but this is, you know, what it is, again, this failure uh, to register as a foreign agent and being accused of working um, uh, on behalf of the Russian government. Um, this is what it is that they're accusing. The chairman, 81-year-old chairman who's been involved in this trouble since, you know, for 60 years and this whole movement, this is what we're being charged with. How are you all fighting back? We have a counteroffensive uh, campaign, and that's really important because we recognize this is counterinsurgency. This is not um, different from the attacks that have been made on our struggle um, in the 60s and even uh, predating that, um, where, you know, the FBI uh, really built its reputation through the assault on the Garvey movement um, and just any attempt for black people to, to struggle uh, for, you know, the same types of things that the, you know, we're struggling for now, we've always come under assault. And so we have mounted a counteroffensive in the form of the Hands Off Aru, Hands Off Africa campaign. And, you know, we are uniting forces from throughout the world um, from all, you know, uh, political sectors who can be one to uh, demanding the end to the FBI and, you know, the colonial state repression against the Black Liberation Movement. And uh, among other things, raising thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars for our legal defense, 
um, and, uh, you know, just a multifaceted campaign that is, you know, really uh, uh, struggling to take this uh, campaign out into the world to make sure that the, the, dominant, the dominant narrative cannot be that of the U.S. government and the FBI, um, but it's that of this campaign and of the people, you know, who are saying, you know, hands off the removal, hands off the struggle of, uh, of, of black people to be free and self-determining. Um, so this is, you know, something that we're fighting for, taking out um, into the world, like I said, and, and winning, you know, all kinds of support uh, for that demand. Do you all, I mean, I know that there's often no rhyme or reason to the way uh, the feds and, and local law enforcement respond to groups fighting for black liberation. Uh, but do you all have a, an idea or a sense of why they struck last July? Like what, what, what are they trying to interrupt? Well, we, if we look at the world situation and we make that connection, that relationship, I mean, we have to see that attack in the context of the struggles that the U.S. government is currently engaged in and fighting for its place as the world hegemon and that it's losing its place, it's losing its grip, you know, um, as, the, as the, the center, you know, world power and that it is competing with forces like Russia and China, but it's increasingly competing with Africa. Because up to now, Africa has been up for grabs. But the Uhuru movement and the African People's Socialist Party has been the thing to stand in the way and has been the voice of Africa, you know, really for the, you know, for the first time since the Garvey movement um, of the 1920s. And this is uh, in, uh, increasingly a serious challenge and, content, uh, and, and contention for them because, you know, they are in Africa, they have been in Africa and, you know, have set their sights on in terms of solving their problems for the future, you know, they have, uh, you know, assumed that Africa would be up for grabs, but they have run into this problem of the existence of the African People's Socialist Party and the leadership of Chairman Amalia Shetela. And so uh, if we recognize that this global contest for power and that black people ourselves are central to that uh, struggle for power um, and, and play our strategic force in that, we can understand why they would attack this organization um, at the time that they um, they have. And, you know, we also understand that a very, uh, you know, in 2024, we have the presidential election coming up. There's this fracture within the white ruling class itself. Um, and so these are all major world events, you know, that are coming, you know, up and are happening, you know, right now. And uh, like I said, black people ourselves play a really central um, part in, in the direction of the future. And the fact is that black people are fighting for a new world to where we can live without, you know, the fear of political imprisonment and assassination just for fighting for, you know, uh, the basic democratic rights and the, the right to be able to be clothed and house ourselves. This is the struggle that we're involved in, and it directly undermines uh, the ability for the U.S. government and the, and the world colonial powers to be able to operate in the same old way. And we see the same kind of accusations and attacks happening in Africa, uh, in the French, you know, uh, territories, you know, the, the France is colonized. And we see this happening all throughout the world, you know, uh, where the colonizing and oppressors saying to the U.S., get out, uh, to the colonial powers, get out. And, you know, uh, and, and, and attempting to seize power and control over their land and resources. This is the context of the assault that's made on our organization and the fact that we have been recognized as the leadership, you know, over the, the struggle for black people and black freedom. This is how, you know, we have to really understand, uh, you know, why that assault was made on our organization. It's because it's a part of the world struggle 
uh, that are happening right now. Can you very, very quickly, like you, I've literally only got about 60 seconds left with you, talk about the yes. St. Louis Sanctuary City Resolution or the Dred Scott City of Refuge Resolution? Yes, uh, this is something that we are, uh, you know, really struggling for in the city of St. Louis, but in various cities, uh, we put forth the Dred Scott City of Refuge, where, um, you know, Dred Scott, that case, where it was, you know, said that, you know, the white, um, that, you know, black men have no rights that white uh, men have to respect. And this is what we're seeing right now, um, that every time black people struggle for freedom, they move the further and they make it illegal for black people to struggle for freedom. So we're putting forth this resolution to say, you know, stop the attacks on the black community for fighting, you know, uh, for to transform our uh, communities and to better our lives. And so, uh, you know, this is part of how we're waging the struggle is, 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 is this is one aspect of that. So this is what we'll be doing. And there's going to be a hearing, a public hearing uh, with the FBI and the St. Louis police. And this is just an example of what can happen across this country. Okay, Akile and I, we are going to continue to follow this. Uh, you all are always welcome on this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>